2: Oh wow, you're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E! Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. See? It's soft. Smooth ends, no flyaways, shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E! Secret Weapon, only from John Frieda.
3: Welcome to Rotowire's wires Monday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, as always, is Ben Miller. Ben, how are you doing today?
1: We're doing all right. We're doing all right. You know, coming off the weekend, got to watch a decent, uh, decent game last night.
3: Now that we finally figured out our mic problems, since you messed it up all okay. before, we can just talk about this. It's fantastic. Yeah, we're coming off a great Super Bowl game. I know you were really happy to see the Patriots win. No,
1: no, that's not at all. Tom Brady, man, I can't, I can't stand the dude. He, he wins everything super like i said this before supermodel wife like he's he's got like a million championships at this point it feels like
3: i just don't like that argument i don't like that argument that you know because he's had so much success in his life we have to root against him i do i like
1: it's different by, player by player i will say that like i used to hate lebron for the same reason but now i like lebron like i just the something about Tom Brady I just don't respect I it's
3: okay noise so, the hell out of me so i have a question like i was texting one of my friends uh, after the super bowl and he's a real patriots hater for yeah. whatever the reason do you think that tom brady would be as successful without bill belichick absolutely i think he would if, no, i would say like with another good career, coach in his career would he would
1: he would win five super bowls no i mean it's got to be another good coach like I, I don't think it's specifically Belichick. Like, if you had, you know, who's not a good coach in the NFL? Well,
3: I, I mean, that's the question. I don't think there is a greater coach in the NFL right now. Than sure.
1: No. So yeah, yeah, I agree. It'll take it. You know, his, his stats—not stats, but like his his overall winning percentage. I think, yeah, it'd probably be down just a little bit, but not by much. Like he's still one of the you know the best. In Do you the think game.
3: that Belichick would be have or Belichick would have similar success without Tom Brady? No, no, no? I don't think that coincides at all. Really? No. Okay, break this down for me a little bit more. I know we, we're doing an MBA DFS podcast, but this is a, this is fascinating to me because I, I disagree with you on a couple of different levels. But I'm curious to hear your opinion here.
1: Quarterbacks are like the the most important position on the field. Like if you yeah. don't have a quarterback that's adequate, you're you're terrible. Like it doesn't matter how good your coach is, you know. Like so instead of Tom Brady, you got Blaine Gabbert, you're screwed. Or like, well, yeah, I mean, I yeah, get...
3: you you'd have a problem. I agree with right. that. Um, but I'm not saying like. I'm not saying uh you're gonna be put with Blaine Gabbert. Right. Um let's let's go ahead and compare with Aaron Rodgers. If it's Belichick and Aaron Rodgers, are they winning five Super Bowls?
1: Well we're a Packers fan. We, I think we got a pretty elevated view on Rodgers because he is one of the best in the game yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if that's the case, I do think it'd be pretty similar. See,
3: I still don't think they end up winning five Super Bowls. I think that I think it's a combination of of Brady and Belichick. I don't think you have Belichick and some pretty good quarterback. Uh, and you still win five, yeah, and go to seven. I don't think that if you have Tom Brady and just some pretty good coach, you do the same thing. I, I okay. think that they work together. And I'm never one of those guys that likes to knock somebody. To, I like I know Tom Brady's you know really handsome. He's got a supermodel girlfriend. He's made over two hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. uh, not girlfriend, wife. Uh, I just don't think that his past success is a reason I should knock him for what he's doing now. I mean, I'll give it to you. Um, I'll give
1: you that for sure. It's but then, even worse, he takes the MVP from Wisconsin
3: native James White. Okay, last that, night. that definitely frustrated snubbed. Me. Oh my god, that definitely frustrated me. And I really believe that it's because Tom Brady's won it before. He's won that MVP award before. I'm like, come on. Yeah, there's no if, chance anyone else was getting that. Like, if Tom Brady threw like two passes, yeah, that's ridiculous. That for some I thought that James White should and was going to win the MVP. Yeah. Like I stayed up to watch that stuff afterwards. Partially because I wanted to watch what happened with Roger Goodell. Right. And it was glorious. Yeah, absolutely. The booing was fantastic. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Tom Brady and Goodell talking and then Brady pulling him back in. Yeah. To like, that was straight out of a movie. I wish I could have heard what was being said. It was probably really nice things. But in my head, I was thinking, oh, man, he's telling him off right now. He's saying all the bad things <laughs> the to me. I own you. This is fantastic. Yes. Right. Yes. That's what it looked like when he pulled him in. He's like... That's it. That's right. Like it was. No, I of, it was of, I loved yeah. that. But I thought for sure White was winning it. And again, Wisconsin guy. Like I was rooting for him a little bit. Yeah. But when you set a Super Bowl record in catches, when you have three touchdowns, right? You, I think you deserve it. I don't How care. How do you get passed up? You don't unless it's Tom Brady. Unless well, it's Tom Brady, right? And he threw sixty-two passes. If you're going to put up that many yards, whatever, it was a Super Bowl record for passing yards. I'm assuming that you're going to get that when they throw 62 passes yeah but what what white did was incredible i i think he was a huge reason why that they were able to stay around in that game and and move the ball and he was a weapon that the falcons could not match for most of that game
1: yeah no i agree completely like he was he was probably one of the biggest reasons they were able to come back is because he was able to feel you know their passing game when other guys were dropping balls and everything like that
3: right and, and he was a matchup problem for them too like i, I think that the scheme as a whole in that second half was huge. I think the Patriots decided not to drop any passes in that second half, which was also huge. Yeah. because there was there was a lot of gaffes early on. Um but but to see White get snubbed like that, that was a real frustration point for me as well.
1: Yeah, I completely
3: agree. All right, let's get back to something that we're actually good at, the NBA DFS talk. <laughs> it's probably a good call. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and go over Sunday's perfect lineup. We had point guard Damian Lillard and point guard Russell Westbrook rounding out this roster. Lillard was going against the Thunder, and obviously Westbrook was going against the Trailblazers, so both point guards in that matchup ended up being pretty huge. Westbrook was at 12400 for his price, and Lillard had a pretty paltry 8300 So so uh, both guards from that. And then looking at that matchup, we still have Victor Oladipo at shooting guard coming in at 5700 That's the optimizer's favorite shooting guard, it feels like, and he finally paid off. The other shooting guard was Jamal Crawford going against the Celtics at 4700 was his price. Small forward, we had two pretty small price guys, Andre Robertson and Damar De- DeMar Carroll, 3600 and 3700 respectively. Robertson was going against the Trailblazers. Carroll going against the Nets. Makes sense for, I guess, that matchup at least. Power forward, Blake Griffin going against the Celtics at 9200 And Trevor Booker, power forward, for going against the Hawks at 50, or sorry just 5000 was the power forward for the perfect lineup. And then finally, Al Horford, the center for the perfect lineup, going against the Clippers at 7,400. Any big takeaways from that? I mean, it was a really small slate of games. I think there was only
1: three. Um, and the perfect lineup is more along the lines of a stars and scrubs approach which doesn't often work when you've only got that you know that small small right. amount of games um so paying up for guys like russell westbrook lillard griffin you know we still getting some solid value in those lower tiers is pretty surprising um you know in, in regards to a specific player i'd say victor oladipo um, was probably the biggest surprise to me you know he's more of a one-trick pony with his you know ability to score the ball uh, which he proved with 24 points obviously but he had 13 rebounds um, That kind of came out of nowhere. So yeah. um, that was definitely something that, you know, stuck out to me when I was looking at it.
3: Well, like I said before, like the optimizer always loves Depot. And I think it's based off of what we know we can do point-wise and what we might be able to throw in with assists, steals, right. rebounds. Now, 11 is a pretty st- outstanding number. And I don't think I'd ever expect or put money down on depot getting 11 rebounds. No, yeah, but- never. That's one of those, that's why you see him in the optimizer lineup quite a bit is because you know you're getting a floor with the points. It's what else you can contribute that normally helps that. And he has not been that effective or efficient in those other categories in my mind, but that's how you see it this go around. I think the biggest takeaway for me was the Andre Robertson coming in. I mean, He's one of those guys I really like at that thirty six thirty seven price tag. If you if you need to have a cheap guy, at least get somebody who's playing big minutes. So the fact that he had thirty four point seven FanDuel points as about ten times as value what his price was. That that's that's why I keep suggesting those guys. They're not always gonna work. I mean Robertson actually was struggling before that point, so it makes a little bit of a more surprising play when it ends up happening. But on a small slate, if you're trying to get big price guys in there like Russell Westbrook, that's where those pay off when you get those smaller guys that actually play a bunch of minutes.
1: Yeah, you're spot on with the minutes thing specifically. Like, if you got a guy who's starting, like, who's playing 30, 30 around 30 minutes, you should say. Um, but yeah, that's a great pun play almost every single time. Like, if, if you're... If there's no other options that are like I'm um, starting having an, ele- an elevated role or something like that, like if you got a guy that has the minutes, go ahead and punt play him there.
3: That same thought process is going to lead to my buddy-healed lock of the day. Buddy-healed lock of the day. Yeah. Uh, we can get some more background on that a little bit later, but okay. I'm going say buddy-healed lock of the day. Same thought process coming in there. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to our lineups. Right now, let's go ahead and break down the 11-game slate that we have for Monday. We're kicking off the contest slate with uh, Cleveland and Washington at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We have the Lakers-Knicks at 7 o'clock Eastern time and the Thunder-Pacers 7 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, not really marquee matchups, if we're being honest, but 11-game slate, we're going to see a lot of those. The 7.30 slot's going to have the Jazz versus Hawks. 76ers and Pistons, and the Clippers and Raptors coming at 7.30 Eastern time. 8 o'clock, we have the Miami Heat and Timberwolves going against each other, and then the Suns Pelicans at 8 o'clock. Rounding out the final three games of the 11-game slate will be the Mavericks, Nuggets, the Spurs and Grizzlies, and then the Bulls and Clippers. So... Uh, a pretty big slate of games. Uh, I'm sorry, Clippers and Sacramento. I just want to go through that pretty quick, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot of games going on. Uh, a couple of injuries really to note. So we'll just break it down by a matchup again. Uh, Cleveland Washington. We know Jr. Smith's going to be out. We also know that Kyrie Irving, with his quad injury, will play. He was a late scratch from Saturday's game. I know he actually affected uh, Derek Van Riper's DFS lineup pretty pretty <laughs> big. We we're just talking about that early this morning, but. But Irving will be active against the Washington Wizards. So, definitely an injury to keep an eye on if you want to pay up for your point guard options. But Irving will be playing. Moving over to the Lakers Knicks game, we have Joe King Noah is going to be out, meaning that we might see some more minutes for. Hernan Gomez at center, yeah, a yeah. few other guys that could play, but I mean, he was one of the big winners uh, the last time we did our NBA DFS lineup. So. Yeah, and Kyle Quinn could be an option there too. So yeah. that'll be you know a situation to monitor
1: before the game, you know, just to see who ends up starting. Yeah.
3: So we have we know Noah's going to be out. We also know that Derrick Rose is going to be a game time decision with his ankle injury. He's missed the last four games, but he was able to practice Sunday fully. We're expecting him to play Monday, meaning that Brandon Jennings, that train's finally done. We might not be able to use him anymore, or at least not unless we're expecting very little production out of them. Right. Right. (laughs) Moving over to the Thunder Pacers matchup, a few different injuries to take place here. So Mm -hmm. Cantor, we know is going to be out for an extended period. after he punched the chair and lost that battle, uh, broke his forearm. We have Thaddeus young with a wrist injury. He's a game time decision. He had x-rays on his uh, wrist, but they're negative. He's still questionable. Rodney stuck. He's going to be a game time decision with his ankle injury. He returned to the court Wednesday after a 15 game absence. Well, and then promptly got a different injury. Now we have a, I have to see if he's going to be out for a while. So Miles Turner is also a game-time decision for the Pacers with an illness. He did not participate in yesterday's shoot-around, or sorry, today's shoot-around. So we're still kind of waiting word whether Miles Turner will be able to play against the Thunder.
1: Yeah, it could be interesting for Al Jefferson specifically if, if Turner can't yeah. have given it a go.
3: Yeah, and I I mean, just reading the reports, it sounds like Turner probably won't be able to play. So if that ends up being the case, and again, I wouldn't I wouldn't put your lineup together unless we are, well, if you're using Jefferson, unless you really are checking that time period but uh, i think that that would be a huge play right with dfs purposes yeah he's only at 3700 so near minimum guy if you could um if turner does get ruled out that's huge yeah moving over to the jazz hawks game rodney hood is out with a bone contusion in his knee lcl sprain in his knee that's not going on for rodney hood uh yeah. but he's expected <laughs> to be reevaluate re-evaluated later this week we also know tablo savalosha Sav- will be out he's missed the last four games kind of a a bench piece for the Hawks, but one of those guys that could affect whether you're using different options for the jazz based off his defensive skills. Going over to the 76ers Pistons game, Joel Embiid is going to be out. He's missed the last five games with the knee injury. That means that Jaleel Okafor will play and start Monday. He sat out Saturday's game despite being listed as probable his knee injury and well, what we know he's going to play, but will he bring the defense? That's what we're going to see. And he hasn't been able to do that very recently. Right. Yeah. More of an offensive oriented
1: guy. So Nerlens Noel maybe um, could get some extra time as well, considering Okafor is fresh off a, you know, a knee injury.
3: Absolutely. Rounding up that 76ers Pistons matchup, Robert Covington is a game time decision he's considered slightly better than probable so to me that says not game time decision that means he's gonna play he's playing yeah yeah. that's, that's an interesting diagnosis that someone would even give. like right i'm not i'm i know we take a bunch of different beat reporters and get the, the twitter stuff from them but slightly better than probable that like
1: at that point just say he's playing yeah like, that's what's the that's point? just like you're covering your back just in like just in case there's that small chance he may be ruled that's, that's out that's
3: horrible i love the i love the diagnosis i wish i could be slightly better than probable for many things in my life <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we have a little bit of the. A little out yeah, yeah it's, okay, it's fine all right the clippers raptors matchup we know chris paul is going to be out the thumb injury Demar Derozan, rosen however is a game time decision he's missed the last four games norman powell has been filling in and he's actually been kind of dipping down production wise yeah, lately. Yeah. so we'll see if he's able to get in he was able to participate in practice during portions of it at least saturday so again game time decision another game time decision patrick patterson for the power forward spot for the raptors i mean they're really kind of hurting there, so it would be nice to see him around, but we'll, we'll wait to see. Yeah,
1: Pascal sayakam has been starting there. He's had like 35 starts this season. He's a rookie, but he's just nowhere near a fantasy option. He yeah,
3: gets no, the DFS minutes or like, fantasy.
1: Like we yeah. talked about, Roberson, he gets the minutes, but at least there's some upside there. It almost seems like there's no upside with um, Pascal, and I think Lucas Nogera has been the guy that's been getting you know more minutes between the two. Um, so that's more of an option if you know Patterson doesn't play.
3: Right. Going over to the Heat, Timberwolves, we have Rodney McGruger. He's going to be sick. Well, he's not going to be. He is sick. Uh, Game time decision. He was pulled early from Saturday's game with the illness. Again, kind of carrying over to Monday's matchup. We'll see if he ends up playing or not. Josh Richardson with his ankle injuries, also game time decision. He's been traveling with the team on the road trip, but we're, we're not expecting him to play just yet. Going over to the Timberwolves, a huge injury that happened over the weekend. Zach Levine, he's out for the season with an ACL tear. And then Chris Dunn, who could be filling in for him, but we don't know yet, he's going to be a game-time decision with a hand injury. He sat out last game as well. So a couple of big injuries to to kind of see how the lineups are altered and moving forward, but uh, we'll kind of figure it out with the game-time decisions how this all plays out. The Suns-Pelicans uh, matchup actually really doesn't have too many people to worry about, so I can only assume that Anthony Davis will definitely get hurt this game. That's, <laughs> that's automatic. That's for how sure. it feels, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if there's no injuries on the Pelicans, look for Davis. It's Davis, yeah. It's just a matter of time, really. Uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets, we have a couple of point guard options going to be out or expected to be out for the Mavericks. J.J. Barea, hamstring injury, he's going to be out till the All-Star break. We had discussed that last week darren williams with a toe injury doubtful to play i don't know if he ever plays again that's just what it feels like right now is he's he's going to be continually out even though he's so close every time right he, he's
1: yeah he's started practice he's about to play and then all of a sudden it's gonna be a setback yes yeah. the usual Williams. i think williams. it's just a ploy just to get yogi some more time right i think they just love those yeah that definitely
3: like they're gonna just keep holding him out every single game now yeah, that they got those guys not? i don't even think about that yeah, exactly uh, Andrew Bogut's going to be out with his hamstring injury. He's missing his fourth consecutive game on the Nuggets side. We have Danilo Gallinari with his groin injury. He's out missing the third consecutive game. Manuel Moutier. He's got a back injury. He's game time decision. Uh, Fantasy-wise, I mean, he's not he's not been a fantastic DFS option, but he's one to consider if you're looking at different point guard options from the Mavericks side. And then we have Jamal Murray with a Goran injury he's expected to play. So the Spurs and Grizzlies, the only injury really to note, Paul Gasol will be out with a finger injury. And then rounding out the 11-game slate, the Bulls and Kings, Jimmy Butler, kind of a big high-priced guy, Game time decision wasn't able to practice Sunday. He's got that heel injury. We're going to look out for that if you're setting your lineups. Finishing out the rest of that, we have uh, Garrett Temple with a hamstring injury. He's out, going to be out for another two or three weeks. And then the Kings, Omar Caspi, with a foot injury. He's out as well. So we just ran off a whole bunch of injuries. Is there any uh, particular injury or matchup, really, that you are looking at for your DFS lineup Monday?
1: Yeah, that Clippers Raptors game is what I'm probably looking at here with a few key injuries still sticking out. You know, obviously with the Clippers um chris paul is still out with that thumb injury multiple weeks away from being available you know we've mentioned in the past podcast you know the boost in value for guys like austin rivers who's at 5900 tonight um raymond felton 4700 uh they should still have plenty of a value Uh, but you can also look at the other stars on the team as well you know um so like Griffin is another player that I'm, um, considering tonight. He comes to mind for me. He, he's gonna have to take on a bigger role offensively. Offensively, Jesus, can't right. talk. Um, but with yeah, with Chris Paul out, so I think there, there's an option there, and I, I do think that's enough big names in that game that I'm definitely um, looking at that side of uh, side of the thing. <laughs>
3: side of the match side or? of the match side Jesus. of the thing yeah. side of, great analysis Ben <laughs> thank you side of the thing but for Toronto
1: on the other hand um DeRozan still dealing with that that ankle injury that we, we already mentioned that missed seven of the last right. eight games you know this guy's averaging 27.8 points per game so that leaves a huge hole offensively um uh, Kyle, Kyle Lowry obviously could have a big night because of it you know that also leaves a potential value play for Norman Powell um,
3: at this point of this price 4800 is he really a value play that's what I'm, he's I don't know if he's much of a value play anymore. I don't think so either. And, I think we've kind of
1: caught on. Yeah, and like you, you mentioned before, but like his his um, his numbers have definitely gone down in recent right. games. So it's it's definitely more of a risky play. But he's like like we said with Andre Roberson, though. You know, he's getting the minutes, mm-hmm. and he at least um, so
3: long as Rosen is out, he's going to be getting the minutes.
1: Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. If DeRozan's back, don't don't touch Paul. Like, right, yeah. Get get out of there as as quick as possible.
3: Uh, I, I agree with you. That's one of those ones that I'm like, well we we look at that price and we say okay DeRozan's going to be out or if he is out this is where we want to go we want to use Powell but then you see 4800 I don't know I don't think that I would feel comfortable using him especially that he's kind of dipped down in consistency and that's what I'd be asking for or looking for there's at least a floor that he can give you and he hasn't really been hitting that lately
1: Yeah and it's it's kind of funny because when he was at you know right around that 4000 mark his ownership was through the roof um so I'm yeah that's that's one thing to think about you know if he does go off his ownership's probably going to be pretty low at this point Right
3: I guess from my side, it's not really a DFS injury, but the Zach Levine's injury was just heartbreaking. I was kind of going over that stuff in the weekend and we thought it was just a bruised left knee. And then, well, if he tears his ACL, it's just like a double whammy. Because I, I loved his athleticism. He's been doing pretty well when he's been in the starting lineup now. He's like averaging, I, I think, close to near 19 points per game. Uh, he's shooting close to 40% from the three-point line and 45% of the field. And I, I loved watching him at his athleticism. When he would run out there and play defense pretty well, we know he's a dunk champion, like, I'm just worried that that's going to affect him down the road. I know he's only 21, so he should have time to rebound. And I know the Timberwolves aren't really that good. I know they're fighting for playoffs, but they're they're still a few years away. I just feel like this sets the team back and LeVine back a little bit and it's a really disappointing in- injury for me. So, uh, I was kind of sad to
1: see that. Yeah, it's a really tough break and you know, we're we're boarded right on Minnesota, so there's a bunch of Timberwolves fans. Yeah. The guys I've talked to, man, they're they're all just <laughs> not happy. Like it's it's a sad it's a sad because like the Timberwolves were supposed to be so good this season. Not right. so good. But like at least on the upswing. Well Thibodeau
3: how, coaching and right. you had the young guys kinda of developing and it it just hasn't been able right. to Right. So this there. was kinda
1: like that final stake in the coffin where it's just like, oh man, you know, this this, this isn't the season
3: I'm curious to get to excited see, about, at least. I'm curious to see who ends up taking more of his minutes, whether it's Brandon Rush, who's been getting the starts now, yeah. or if it's Shabazz Muhammad, who I think will get the starts later on. But I think with DFS purposes, I'm not playing either of those guys, at least now. I think no. even talk to me next week and see what the Timberwolves decide and we could we could kind of reevaluate. But it's just a heartbreaking injury for basketball, really, is how I feel. No, I completely agree. I guess for DFS purposes, the injury I'm looking at is the, the Dallas-Denver matchup. And specifically, is the Yogi train going to continue? Because like, you got to assume if uh, Berea and Williams are out once again, that Farrell is going to play and do well. So um, I, I think that's a huge kind of thing to consider. Williams again doubtful with the toe injury. We were kind of joking as we were reading through it, but seriously, I don't know when he plays again. If Farrell continues to do this do this so well, um, Emmanuel Moutier being out um, could be a, a decent enough option for you to use because he's not really a defensive guy but that forces a backup point guard to be in there and there's a reason he's a backup point guard so uh, to me I, I think that the yogi Ferrell might actually end up being a, a pretty good play if and as we expect williams to be out
1: yeah and we were talking i think it was wednesday I, I, at least i was saying you know how i didn't yes. expect him to continue to put up these numbers because he's such a young player like yeah. he played two, one game before that uh, i mean he's now three games in and he's had 35, 24, and 39 FanDuel points. So I guess you can't knock him. Mean, his price is upwards at 5,800 now. That's not as attractive as it, as it was you know, when it was in the 4,000s. Right. But um, yeah, I think there's still plenty of potential. He's going to get so many minutes. If so. he's
3: getting those points, I don't think it ma- like At least for his his price tag, that's still fine. I like, right. still feel comfortable. If he's getting those points that you just rattled off, like the 30, 35, definitely i mean right 38 right 38 and 39 minutes like that's almost 40 minutes every single game absolutely i mean yogi probably is the front runner for player who shockingly will swing dfs lineups and also shares a name with a cartoon bear <laughs> I, and I know there's a lot of different players out there that are gunning for that award but right. i think, I think <laughs> all those cartoon
1: bear names yeah, out there, yeah
3: yogi's definitely shooting for that one he's, he's in prime position all right i'm gonna give you a pretty serious question. Okay. I, this is gonna this is gonna really hurt you, I think. Right, I'm nervous, but uh, um, I'm ready. You have to take this very seriously. Okay. All right. So you're forced to pick either Russell Westbrook don't, or Anthony don't Davis. Do it. Yes, no, you are forced to. You pick between Russell Westbrook or Anthony Davis for your lineup on Monday. Who do you play?
1: Honestly, I think this may be the second or third pod in a row where I'm going against Westbrook. Like it's there it is. I'll start off. Yeah, it your does boy, hurt. It does your hurt. Boy. And I continue to stray away from him. I do. Um, but you have to love Davis's matchup tonight against his sons, you know, who, who give up a ton of points to power forwards. Actually, I think the fourth most on average so far this season. You know, he's over $1,000 less and has a better matchup between the two. Um, so, I'm, yeah, leaning towards Davis. Westbrook's also on the second night of a back to back. And I know that doesn't always phase you, but I, I hate seeing that, honestly. And um, that, that absolutely factors it in, uh, in it for me. So, you know, just, despite him playing phenomenal of late, I think he had 42 points last night or something like that. Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to look towards Davis as the better play.
3: I, I I agree with you. I just want to test you because I know that Russell Westbrook <laughs> is your boy. I know that it pains you to say the words does. that you that would hurts. rather not use him in your lineup. Right. Uh, but I absolutely agree. I, I mean, the Suns actually have allowed the second most FanDuel points in the last five games, too. So it's not just that they've struggled all year. They are struggling significantly at this portion of the season. I, I think Anthony Davis, so long as he is healthy, and I could knock on as much of wood as I can in this office, and that still won't help. Right. So long as Anthony Davis is healthy, he's a he's a must play at this point at his price tag, too, against the Suns. I, I think that that's definitely the way to go, as opposed to Russell Westbrook. If you feel like you need to pay high price for both of those guys or one of those guys, you want to go high... Anthony Davis is the way to go. Yeah, completely. Six centers sit with an eight thousand or higher price tag on today's slate. Are you opposed to paying up for center? I, I normally am, so I'm asking you the question this time because there's fifteen other positional play, players registering around the same price tag mark. So, are you going high in center or going a little bit lower tonight?
1: I wouldn't necessarily say I'm opposed, no. Um, you know, the position is definitely pretty top-heavy tonight. Uh, however, I'm still probably going to avoid both Cousins and Towns at the top. You know, they really don't have those coveted matchups that you love to see with the higher-priced guys. Um, so if I'm paying up, I'm probably looking at that second tier in the 8,000s. Although, I'll be honest, that for my personal lineup tonight, I'm probably dropping pretty pretty far down again. You know, I, I'm i looking at a cheaper guy like Robin Lopez. Well, I think, you know, there's probably an opportunity. We mentioned it before with the Knicks game for, you know, guys like Hernan Gomez or Kyle Quinn. Um, so those are going to be options as well, you know, depending on who you know starts for Joakim Noah. Um, so basically, I guess what I'm saying, is I think that it's fine to avoid those two five-figure salary guys up top. And that kind of allows you to pay up elsewhere at other positions that aren't necessarily as deep. Um, so I think we always talk about shooting guard being really right, terrible. It's been a struggle, and right, especially
3: so, with the DeRozan gone. Right, so when you got
1: that depth at center, it's, you got to always look at least at some points to, to see who's lower down in the depth.
3: I agree. I Like, I, I normally... Don't like to pay it for centers because of what you were just talking about earlier, where there's death at other spots. But I think there's actually a decent, enough, decent enough chance to pay up today. I also don't think there's really that much value from lower tier centers, and there's obviously notable exceptions. You just talked about Guillermo, or, or, sorry, Guillermo uh, Hernan Gomez. I can't say that. We're gonna try it again, <laughs> Hernan Gomez. Yeah. There you go. Um, but. I I don't know if there really is that many people uh, lower price that I'd want to pay for. So I think going higher is not that bad of an idea. And and for the most part, because there are so many different options to choose from at different spots, I can kind of fandangle my way around the other positions and and use that higher price center that I'm looking for. So to me, it seems like a, a pretty good deal, at least for the most part. Before we go to the RotoWire Optimizer lineup for Monday's slate, let's go through our newest um, sponsor, which really isn't new, I guess, FanDuel, because uh, we're doing a FanDuel Monday Absolutely. B&B's podcast. But baseball is the new part, and baseball is just around the corner now that the Super Bowl is done. Uh, don't get stranded on first base without a RotoWire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to fanduel.com slash Rotowire to claim the prize. Must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Make sure that's everyone through. You understand that. That's new, key, yeah. New FanDuel user. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel to get the offer. That's fanduel.com slash Rotowire. All right, let's break down the Rotowire Optimizer lineup. Um, we've we've had some differing opinions on it lately, but kind of seems like we might have the same idea with this year. so... Point guard options Russell Westbrook at 12,400 going against the Pacers and then Drew Holiday going against the Suns at 8,000. At the shooting guard spot we have Victor Oladipo going against the Pacers at 5,700 and Tyreek Evans going against the Suns at 4,900. Rounding out the small forward spot we have TJ Warren going against the uh, the Pelicans at 4200 and Matt Barnes going against the Bulls at 3800 and the power forward options yes the RotoWire Optimizer likes both Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. I will not let you do that, Ben, but the RotoWire Optimizer does. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis going against the Suns at eleven thousand three hundred, and Gorgie Yang going against the Heat at fifty six hundred, and rounding out the lineup, we have center Kyle O'Quinn going against the Lakers at forty one hundred. Give me your thoughts, Ben.
1: I actually don't mind it, honestly. I, th- I think they did a pretty good job of pairing some higher upside guys that are cheap with some of those bigger salary guys like Davis and Westbrook. Um, Matt Barnes at 3800 is really solid in my opinion you know no Rudy Gay no Omri Caspi no Garrett Temple they're all sitting out so he's gonna get a bunch of added runs so I think there's definitely plenty of upside there and um, and TJ Warren has actually you know proven to be much better of late with back-to-back 29 and 27 Fanduel point um, performances so at 42 that's that's solid Um, so yeah if you can stick in those type of guys with um, Westbrook and Davis I don't I don't mind it no
3: Uh, so I'm not I'm not really a huge fan. I don't like some parts of it. I'm really impressed that I was able to fit Westbrook and Anthony Davis in there. But I think the overall strategy is what I'm concerned with. Um, I think that I would like to see the money spread out a little bit more. I'm just not a huge fan going high on Westbrook, especially if you're going to try to fandangle uh, Anthony Davis in there as well. So, But the bigger part for me is that you can't you can't choose these – well, the bigger part really for me is that there's lesser options that are available that I think you could use. So I'm thinking of a few lower price guys, not the Matt Barnes, not TJ Warren, but a few different guys that I'd rather see in there if we're going to go low, if we're going to try to get Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook in. So I, to me, it's just not – it's not a great one. Um, I like normally when it does – the best of or kind of like the ceiling that we always talk about and i don't really feel like that's this lineup okay
1: yeah no I, I see where you're coming from for sure and i think you're right that there's a few guys in there that you probably want to look elsewhere at um which could you know hurt trying to get westbrook in there as well um but yeah i i, I still think overall it's it's a valid shot with who they try and pair with davis
3: and yeah i westbrook. mean there's only so much you can do when you right. have both of those guys in there yeah exactly So normally go ahead and read off our lineups for Monday's uh, NBA slate, uh, kind of going back and forth on it. But today I decided to go a little different with my lineup, and I'm actually kind of using a whole themed roster here. So uh, for for consistency's sake, I would have liked to go – back and forth again, but I'm just going to read off my lineup. You kind of break down what you think of it. Um, and then we can go over to your lineup and kind of discuss what okay. you didn't do wrong. Like I did with my theme. <laughs> All right. So at point guard, we have Kyle Lowry going against the Clippers and Yogi Ferrell going against the Nuggets. So Kyle Lowry's at 9,000 and Ferrell is at 5,600. Um, shooting guard, we have Seth Curry going against the Nuggets at 6,000. And really, kind of a question mark on this whole themed lineup, which I'll break down in a moment, is my other shooting guard option, Monta Ellis going against the Thunder at 3,600. Small forward, we have DeMar Carroll, who was the optimizer lineup uh, lock last night at 3,700. And Otto Porter, Cavaliers, going, to get, going against the Cavaliers at 6,400. Tobias Harris at 5,800 is the power forward option. And we discussed this already. I'm going up high price for Anthony Davis going against the Suns at 11,300 and finally my center tonight will be Andre Drummond going against the 76ers at 8,500. The theme of the night definitely is uh at least for this lineup. They're all uh Teams and players that have allowed the most Fanduel points at their respective positions. So I've actually been looking at the last five matchups, opposed to the overall point total. But last five most mo- most allowed points given up in the last five games. That's kind of how I've been able to construct this lineup. So go ahead, Ben. Just t- take shots at it. I don't mind. It's, it's okay. Well,
1: first, yeah, I think it's definitely worth, worth it to mention that the defense first position page on RotoWire is huge. Like that's. That's one of the, like the keys that we look at. So uh, that you can find that in the daily section. I'd always check that out. You know, once you're once you're trying to put together a lineup. But um, yeah, I think we talked about last week a little bit of how we thought Seth Seth Curry's value is you know quite a bit high. You know, now that he's taken on a regular starter's role, uh, is that still your thought there? Or is that is that are you paying up too much? You think? Or
3: so at six thousand, I don't I don't think it's that bad of a price. I agree with my initial thoughts uh, and initial thoughts last week about Seth Curry, I thought that the the point guard options, Barea and Williams, and to some extent I didn't think Farrell would do as well. I thought that the, they would come back and kind of lessen the load, so to speak. But there's been injuries on all fronts for the Mavericks lineup. I mean, before we did the podcast, we were reading off who they were starting this, like for tonight's game. And I, it was kind of a joke of a lineup. It yeah. almost felt like. Um, so I think by default, Curry is going to get your minutes and he's going to get your points. The Nuggets are not very good defensively against it. We know what the themed lineup is, but let's just go over uh, the stats that I'm looking at right now. So the Nuggets have given up the fifth most FanDuel points, two shooting guards at 40.9 points per game. They're actually in the last five. They're the fifth most. Overall this season, they are the top option going against shooting guards. They've allowed 40.9. So When I'm looking to fill out that shooting guard spot, which is never really great, especially when Giannis isn't playing, when DeMar DeRozan isn't playing, I'm looking for a cheaper option or at least whoever's going against the Nets or Nuggets. And in this case, (laughs) we have Seth Curry. So I'm really not a a fan of him using DFS most nights. But in this case, the 6000 price, yeah, I think I'm paying up for it. And I think you'll get around that 30-point threshold, what we're looking for.
1: Yeah, I think he's... actually complimented um Farrell way more than we we would think with a yeah. guy that's came out of nowhere and signed you know on a 10-day contract before and now a 2-year 2-year yeah, yeah. um <laughs> uh, but yeah i think they've complimented each other complemented each other a lot uh, better than we thought um so I, I still do i personally think it's still a little too high for him um i think guys like Barnes and Matthews should take over more than what they're doing. And I think that could be something that happens moving forward. But yeah, I mean, so far, I guess according to history, it's not a bad play.
3: I think the concern is that, um, I think the concern that Matthew and Barnes are going to be playing out of position. Matthew's going to be playing at the three and Barnes at the four. So, uh, you could see someone like Kenneth Reed covering Barnes. And, And to me, that's like, well, how are you going to score if you're Barnes? Because your game is a lot of drive and kick, maybe hit a few three pointers when it's passed to you. But to meet that so where you're going to get the points from is probably going to be your guard spots and well Farrell and Seth Curry are playing and they're they got higher price tags but for what they're going to be doing production wise I don't I don't have a problem with it okay yeah no I I definitely hear you there and um is there any worry about a back-to-back with Lowry Um, well we've talked about the back-to-backs before um and you're a lot more concerned about it than I am yeah. most nights. And I think your concern is warranted. But in this case, the back-to-back, the Raptors are playing at Toronto. So I don't think it should affect them that much. Um, to me the Clippers just haven't been that good defensively especially with Chris Paul out Austin Rivers has been scoring a ton but the defense just isn't there and I'm not really worried about DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin really providing much of a a backbone so to speak for that defense so I think Kyle Lowry is going to get his and especially if DeMar DeRozan is out that becomes a big deal so at 9,000 we're expecting him to get around 40 to 40 Fanduel points and I think that's an easy benchmark for him to hit I think that 50 55 points is definitely a play and I don't really care about the back-to-back so much I just think that's definitely chance to hit that
1: yeah and especially you know he dealt with an illness recently but you know he cleared every every one of that yesterday when he triple doubled with 15 11 and 11 so i guess that's yeah that's something especially with a guy like lowry who's um you know elite and doesn't have derose in there i think you're, you're probably right that it's not a huge deal in this in this situation
3: i thought for sure when we were talking raptors you were gonna end up bringing up DeMar carroll uh, so this is a little surprising to me that you haven't, you haven't really complained about that one too much. But at 3700 for his price, he was on the Optimizer lineup last night. And I am telling you right now, Ben, he is my buddy healed lock of the night. So right. just to break down that. Before, before everyone's like, why are you saying the Buddy heel lock of the night? When we first started doing this, I was saying Buddy Heel was the player to play at his cheap price and he ended up getting about 25 Fandle points. So really not much at all. But <laughs> uh, yeah. So now from now on, it's the Buddy Heel to lock of the night okay. and that's going to Demar Carroll. So he's... Uh, The Clippers are allowing the most FanDuel points to opposing small forwards in the last five games, around 46.5 FanDuel points. I understand DeMar Carroll has not been playing that much. He's actually registered under 20 minutes or around there in four of the last eight games, but he was really good last night. I think he's going to do something pretty similar wise point-wise. We're looking around 30 FanDuel points. That's it. For a guy that's playing about 30 minutes a night most times or or thereabouts, um, when Carroll is on... He's providing points, he's providing rebounds, he's providing assists, and even some steals. He's giving you all categories, which is, again, we've discussed this before, a floor that I like to rest on. I think that if we're asking at the 37 price for Carroll to get 15, 20 fando points, I'll easily take that, especially when I'm trying to fandangle a couple other things and put Anthony Davis in there and everything else. So Carroll easily is a start for me.
1: Yeah, the reason that he actually stays at that low price is because of his inconsistency. Um, that's that's definitely the reason there. But, I mean, at times in the season, he's hit 28 FanDuel points, 31. So, he's proven that he can do it. Like, he gets the minutes. And especially if DeRozan isn't in the, in the lineup, they're taking, taking up a bunch of shots. I, I I think it's definitely valid to use him at close to minimum contract. That's probably why I wasn't harping on you too much there. But I will say, Monta Ellis, uh, you also have him sitting in your lineup. He's... <sighs> What's I was hoping the deal we'd there? pass over that one.
3: Okay? <laughs> I, th- I was hoping we'd pass over that one. Again, I'm using a themed lineup. I'm, I'm trying to play uh, players that are going against opposition that have allowed the top or top close to it, most Fandle points in the last five games, last 10 games. So uh, that was a stretch. When I was filling this lineup out, it kind of just started with Anthony Davis and all just fit into place. Like there, I was left with that last shooting guard option, Monta Ellis going against the thunder who allow I'm pretty positive. Either second most or most point or most points, Fanduel points for guards that are the teams playing right now. So to me, it was like, okay, I just don't. Yeah. 47 point. Yeah. 47 points in the last five games. That's a huge amount. No one else is within five points of that in the last five. So thunder are definitely allowing a lot of points. And my thing is, I just don't know who's the starting shooting guard for the Pacers. Um, I think, Ellis is going to score and that's about it which is going to give me a floor so at 3600 100 above the minimum I'm like okay fine if you're getting me 15 points which I think you can do scoring wise that'll be enough I'm not happy with it uh, I think that's the one place where there's really a big hole in the boat so to speak yeah, with this lineup yeah. but I was trying to fit with the theme, and it just really, really fit well.
1: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you the theme <laughs> fit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't rag on him too hard about it. But, yeah, I know he's definitely pretty risky there. Um, I think C.J. Miles is probably the guy that's going to get more minutes I would think so too. Stucky and someone else is missing the Yeah,
3: too. well, I mean, C.J. Miles is the listed shooting guard option, at least on the Rotowire death chart. And at right now, FanDuel is a sliding minute small forward, so he couldn't really fit in that shooting guard option. yeah. yeah. It was just, you know— kind of trying to make it work best i could but yeah if considering that was the last person to make it work in this lineup <laughs> i was pretty happy overall with, it with worked themed out themed what we were right for right, here right. so okay you you've kind of poked a lot of holes in what i was saying uh i will have you know that i have a four and two record of you right now on our on our challenges with these podcasts. that lineups. is true yeah so i can't I can't really take uh your word too seriously okay
1: i mean yeah. we'll see like it, I'm, I'm i guarantee you.
3: okay fine all right give me your championship lineup right. your guaranteed lineup here
1: all right, we'll start off. I got John Wall uh, going up against the Cavaliers. He's my highest priced guy at $10,600. Uh, pairing him with Drew Holiday, who's going up against the Lowly Suns. The Lowly Suns. Uh, <laughs> like that. At $8,000. Um, got Wesley Matthews going against the Nuggets $5,600. Uh, pairing him with Gary Harris against the Mavericks at 5100 uh, Marcus Morris who is taking on the 76ers, 5,500. So that was kind of a a pretty big group of guys in the 5,000s there. Um, Joe Johnson, I'm kind of um, dropping down for at 3,700. He's going up against the Hawks. Um, Mentioned him before, Blake Griffin. No Chris Paul. I'm hoping he takes on a bigger role offensively. He's going up against the Raptors um, at 9,200. So one of my higher priced guys as well. Um, Kevin Love taking on the Wizards, just just 7,600. Um, and dropping down to Robin Lopez for the second consecutive podcast, um going up against the Kings at, at forty
3: seven hundred. I like the Lowly Sons. That's that should be a band name. If it's not a band name now, it needs to be after this podcast. We need to have somebody work on this. Like whoever's musically talented and listening to this, your name now is the Lowly Sons. That's was, your band name.
1: And that's what I used to, you know, associate with the the Sixers. But the Lowly kinda, Sixers, yeah, it doesn't work the same
3: as the Lowly. Right. Sons. It does sound a lot better with the Lowly sons. sons. Okay, I'm gonna move past that in order to talk about your center, first, Robin Lopez. We had talked a little bit earlier about if we wanted to pay up or pay down. In this case, you are paying down for Robin Lopez. Yeah. Is there any? Concern going against Demarcus Cousins that that might be an like it might be a difficult thing for Lopez to
1: achieve. Yeah, it is a tough matchup against Demarcus. Um, so I, so I get that's a little intimidating. Um, but he's still been solid late. You know the Kings actually give up a decent amount of points to center. So I think it's the top ten um, most you know points given up at least average on the season. I'm not sure in the last five. Um, so yeah, I'm not necessarily scared off by the big name there. Um, you yeah, know I already talked about it before. Ton of big name centers, but there's still a decent amount of depth there. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we need to pay up there, you know, at at that center position and I'd, I'd rather drop down and try and save some um some salary elsewhere. You know, and Lopez, he's only at
3: 4700. That yeah, it's a cheaper option. That's for certain. Right. Like I'm fine with that. I mean, you're only expecting him to get about 20 to 20 Fanduel points. I'm sorry, 20 to 25 Fanduel points per game. So Yeah,
1: and he's had even more success recently than that. He had 27, you know, Fanduel points in their last game, 42 Fanduel points a couple games back. So, yeah, I get there's some inconsistencies there as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's enough upside you know at that 4700 price
3: the kings have actually allowed the, the top 15 so okay they're about middle of the pack on okay. center stuff but that's not to say that lopez can't do that and you just rattle off a few statistics where that would kind of confirm that I'm, I'm concerned against cousins i think that actually cousins offensively probably won't do as well because lopez is known as more of a defender kind of a rough and rugged center so yeah, to speak yeah. so um I, I think that to ask someone like Lopez to get 20 to 25 Fandle points against DeMarcus Cousins and we never know what night Cousins is on like how how well he's playing or whatever so I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that I am a little concerned about the Blake Griffin play, go, play going against the Raptors at 9200 that seems to be a, a a different a different model from what you normally go with um and the Raptors defense is actually pretty stingy so I'm curious why you opted to go with Blake Griffin at 9200 yeah
1: I, I think we mentioned it sl- you know a little bit before but I think Griffin's going to take on a bigger role offensively. Uh, I, I think we could see a big you know, outing from him in regards to points. You know, he usually already hovers around 10 rebounds in almost every single game anyway. So he's, he's already got that really high floor. Um, so when you add in that potential to score, I think that's some pretty decent upside for him. Um, yeah, I, I think you might have mentioned that the Raptors, would you say they, they keep scoring? Well, the,
3: the the Raptors have a stingy defense. They've actually allowed the 10th fewest pa- uh, points just overall, not FanDuel points, but points yeah. overall in the NBA. So that's why I was a little worried about the Blake Griffin play. Yeah, I
1: think the one weakness, though, in their defense is actually that powered forward position. We mentioned Sycam and Lucas Nogera. You know, they're definitely the weakness in that, mm-hmm. you know, that defense. So I think I think
3: Griffin could, could take advantage of that for sure. That's true. I mean, I guess the power forward is probably their weak spot there. I, yeah. I just don't know if I would want to be t- trying to to mess with that, so to speak, especially in Toronto. It's kind of a primetime matchup too. I mean, Clippers are one of the better teams in the NBA, and I think the fans always show up pretty well for the Toronto people, So, or for sort of the Toronto games. I, I'm not really comfortable using Blake Griffin, especially when there are a few other higher-priced options that you could look at, but I understand the thought process at the very least.
1: Yeah, and surprisingly, actually, the Raptors allow the sixth most. Um points to. Well, there you go. That's, forward, so.
3: that's what you're talking about. That's, yeah, that's that, the weak spot of their defense. Right.
1: So hopefully, yeah, in my opinion, I think that that's, that's good enough for me to pay up for for a guy like Griffin.
3: The only other question I had, and this is kind of with all your smattering of 5,000 price guys, Gary Harris, who you who you listed at 5,100 going against the Mavericks, he's seen less than 30 minutes a game in the last, last of the last three con, uh, contests. So going against Wes Matthews, that's not really the defensive thing that you're concerned with, but Um, do you feel like that's more of a a floor and low ceiling type of play for your lineup?
1: Yeah, I I actually think, you know, he's like, he's been inconsistent. I get that. Um, but the fact that guy sitting out, I think that's going to be more shots available for a guy like Harris. Um, I think Will Barton had an injury recently, Jamal Murray, he's fresh off an injury, but I think they're both playing. Um, so he could, I I think Harris will get plenty of run. I do. Um, he's barely surpassed 20 Fando points in the last few games. I get that. Um, but I think with more shots available and, you know, his potential to score when he's on, I think there's enough value there that um, there's a decent chance he can put up some numbers and that's cheap 5,100.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, you're only asking again for about 20, to 25 Fandle points for it to make it work. So uh, it, it's I I just don't know if I want to rely on a guy that's not seen over thirty minutes in the last three games, especially for a five thousand price tag. Like if, yeah, it was, yep. if it was under four thousand, I get it completely. Like that's okay. You're just rolling the dice on it, but to me, that's where I'm just straying away from it entirely. But yeah, and that's definitely fair. We'll see. We'll see again. Four and two. I am in our Fanduel <laughs> lineups, hoping to make it five and two. Uh, just like. Tom Brady, Mr. Super Bowl. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. I'm angry, man. You're angry. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Well, Ben, where can the people follow you at?
1: Uh, You can catch me at Ben Man doing work. Still
3: the best Twitter handle at Road And you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. That does it for us for Monday's NBA DFS podcast. We'll be back to break down our lineups and talk about how I'm five and two on Wednesday. See you then.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?